This is the Ezra podcast, and we're talking about UFC 279. This is going to be Chimaev versus Nate Diaz in a fight that kind of seems like UFC punishments to Nate Diaz, right? I mean, I don't even think it seems kind of seems. I think this is exactly what it is. I think it's really, you know, using Nate Diaz instead of trying to, uh, Make a to me the most interesting fight for Nate Diaz to so make the biggest fight, even the biggest fight or most entertaining fight. No, no, I don't think they went for that at all. I think they want to feed Nate Diaz to Chimaev to prove a point, but also to you know punish Nate, but also to use Nate if they're gonna have you know only have one more fight left with him, they're gonna get full use out of him to build another fighter. That's just the truth of it. That's how that's the way I see it. I don't think that this is a let me pull the fight poster right before I get too much into this. I don't think this is a fight that Nate can win. I'm gonna be honest with you. And I will give a you know a scenario on if he were to win this fight, what it would take, in my opinion. But I don't think it's a fight he can win. And the one thing about Nate Diaz is he's not a 170 pounder, right? Now he may not be a 155 pounder anymore. He may not be able to make that weight, but because the UFC's weight classes are so far apart, and 15 pounds is far apart uh for a weight class, he Probably is a 160-pound fighter now, right? Maybe even 163, 65. But they don't have that in MMA or UFC. So now he has to fight at 170. And this is probably why a guy's careers come to um come to an end, right? Their primes come out, of, their primes end kind of quickly and they start stop being effective all of a sudden is because they don't have uh, weight classes to move up to, right? Like in boxing, you fight 154 pounds and you fight that say to your 26. You no longer wait to make that weight. All you have to go up is six more pounds to middleweight. That's it. You just have to go up that. So that prolongs your career, right? Because you can't make this weight anymore, but you're not going to fight 170. But like if you were 154 pounds, and that's let's just say just give you an example. Jermel Charlo, right? And I don't know this. I know this is the MMA one, the UFC one. So I don't know if the people listening to this know boxing or vice versa, whatever. But Say you're Jamal Charlo, right? Undisputed champ of the world, 154 pounds. Now, let's say he says, I can't make this weight anymore. I just can't, right? I'm uh, getting to my 30s. I can't make this weight. I'm still on top of my game. What, what do I do? What do I have to do, right? Well, if you're in uh, MMA, right? So just compared like in boxing, right? You got to go to 170 pounds. So who would be 170 pounds? Oh, you would have to go fight uh, David Benavides. You have to go fight Canelo Alvarez. You would have to go fight Caleb Plant. Right, that that's and that's still above their weight class because they're really 167 pounds, right? But let's just say 170. That's where you would go. You would have to fight those guys. Do you understand like how drastic that, that that's not even like a magical boxing? Like no one is saying Jamal Charles is ever going to fight David Benavides. No one is ever saying that. That's what we expect in MMA is a guy that's 155 pounds. As soon as he can't make that weight anymore, right? Just can't can't get down one more pound. He has to go to 170 pounds. So. Think of that. I'm saying Jamal Charlo, right? Which there is questions of Jamal Charlo making 155, uh, 54 going forward. From there, he would have to go, and he's in the, the prime of his career. He's in the best, but, but he just can't make the weight anymore just because he's getting older. He has to go to 170 pounds now. Now, do you think he's going to be effective at that weight? Probably not. No, probably not. He's going to be undersized. Uh, so he's going to start losing. So they're going to be like, oh, what happened to him? So his only other option is to keep making weight in a weight class he can't make weight anymore. So you think he's going to be effective while really draining himself like that? No, he's not. So the weight class, really, the limited options of the weight class is determining and probably eliminating a lot of guys, effective fighters, from being good anymore. 
just something to consider. But he gets an AD, right? He gets this scenario. An AD is 170 pounders. It's not really 170 pounder. And I think people are thinking of only the 170 pound run that he's in right now. That he fought Jorge Masvidal, he fought Leon Edwards. I really think that's the only weight class, uh, that's the only welterweight weight run that they're thinking about. But the Nady has fought 170 pounds before. I think he fought a fight that's going to look similar to this fight. And that was against Warren McDonald. He fought 170 pounds. And he got ragdolled that fight. He did. He, he Go look at it. And I'm not over-exaggerating. It's not, you know, a lot of people say, oh, he got ragdolled. And it's over-exaggeration. This isn't over-exaggeration. He is literally tossed. Literally goes to Supec. Um, suplex city like Brock Lesnar. He literally goes to suplex city in that fight. And that's what I expect in this fight. Because Chimaev's a big 170. He's fought at 185 comfortably and has was been very effective at 185. Has a one-punch knockout at 185. And Chimaev being a big 170, fighting an undersized 170, it's going to be able to throw him around wherever he wants. And Nate Diaz, whose jiu-jitsu is very good, I think that people use that and they make it like some mythical thing, but jujitsu still needs weight classes. And the effectiveness goes down a lot when a guy is much stronger than you and he's still very skilled on the ground. And Chimaev is very skilled on the ground. And he's very skilled on top and he's very skilled at inflicting damage on top. So not only will Nate be um, out-strengthened in this fight, you also have to be worrying about the damage coming from the top. So it's not like his ground game is going to be super effective in this fight. It's just not. And he's never shown to be a guy that can stop takedowns, especially at 170 pounds. And I know Chel Sonnen just came out and was talking about a story where, you know, Nate Diaz stopped every one of his takedowns. Just stopped it. Just stopped every one of his takedowns. And it was just, oh, you know, he just did it because he didn't want to go to the ground that day. That's fine to say. It's a fine story, right? It's interesting. Grabs your attention. But He's never shown that in a fight. So if he showed that again in this fight, it'd be the first time I've ever seen him show it. That's just the honest truth. I think Chimaev's going to get in, take him down, and put a beating on him. And I think that Chimaev's going to, maybe he'll exchange hands early, right? But that's just to get to a spot. Chimaev's not a guy like to take chances just to take chances. No, he's going in there to be effective. Chimaev has not had any really massive paydays yet. He hasn't got any massive opportunities yet. He has he's just his first main event. On a pay-per-view. I think it might be his first main event ever, I'll be honest with you, but his first main event on a pay-per-view, that's for sure. This is a man that's hungry to prove a point, and you're fighting Nate Diaz, who I said already has all the physical uh, disadvantages. Also, it seems like one foot in, one foot out of fighting, or, you know, especially in the UFC, but maybe even fighting in general. Definitely not as most motivated. Definitely not looking to build off of this. Definitely understands kind of the situation that he's in. Now, is there a scenario where I say, you know, is there a scenario that I could see Nate Diaz winning? I, I don't see Nate Diaz winning this fight. I'm just going to make that clear. I got Chimaev winning. I think he wins by second round stoppage, even possibly the first. I think the damage is going to be very apparent early in this fight. But you got to remember that Chimaev applies his game very fast. And it, it's, it takes a lot of energy, and he and he seems like he kind of diminishes a little bit, right? Like, if you look at the Burns fight in the second round, he kind of gas tank falls, right? You see the grappling tournaments he does, definitely more effective early on 
than he is later on. The one thing about Nate Diaz is he's a good survivor. He's durable. He's tough. He's going to work through it. Even if he's cut up, beat up, he's going to get up, go to the corner, and come back the next round. And this is say Chimaev really puts it on in the first round. He survives it. And then he really gets put it on in the second round. Well, then it's, this is the main event of a pair of view. You got three more rounds to go. And if Chimaev's energy dips, that means his technique's going to go. That means his strength's going to go. That means his speed's going to go. Well, suddenly all these advantages he has, they start bringing down. They start leveling out. And Nate Diaz's gas tank's not going to stop. And he could get confident. And if you remember the success he has against Leon Edwards later in the fight, if you remember the Mosfidel fight, even though because the cuts stop it, he starts having a little more success in the fight. He works through all the, uh, the damage he's taking. So let's just say he just gets to that point where he took all the damage. Chimaev slows down just a little bit. Takedowns are not as effective. And even if he does get a takedown, he's definitely not consistent with his offense on top. He's definitely not consi- consistent with the positioning. Maybe leaves a little bit of openings for Nate Diaz. That's going to be Nate Diaz's best chance. Is surviving the beating early. Then maybe he can get keep his standing. Maybe get his hands going at that point. Nadia still has powered his weight. I mean, look at what he just did to Leon Edwards. He had him rocked last round, end of the round. Maybe at that point he could put start putting on Chimaev. But that's really what it's going to take. It's going to take later rounds for Nadia's. I don't see it happening. I don't see him getting past the second round. I really don't. I think this could be a very brutal fight, very one sided fight. And I think it's going to look the way the UFC thinks it's going to look. The UFC, they make fights, and I know they seem like, oh, best fight the best and all this thing, but a lot of times they make fights, they they assume what's going to happen, right? They have a plan for what's going to happen. They know what's going to happen in this fight. They know that is going to build his name with Nate Diaz. They know that he's going to look dominant, and it, and it will um, could get him to a title shot and would be a good event because he used Nate Diaz as a stepping stone. On the co-main event, we have another guy that's should be done fighting. Tony Ferguson versus uh, Lin Jing Ling. Jing Lang, sorry. And um, Ferguson, who, you know, showed glimpses against Chandler, right? Showed glimpses. I think that people would be actually kind of, you know, surprised that more really where he showed that he, he can't keep up anymore is on the ground. But Ferguson was kind of always, like, dangerous on the ground. But now he just cannot keep up. Like, if someone is an effective wrestler effective guy with jiu-jitsu and takes him down effective grappler you could just really maul him and he just really has no answers he can't keep up with that and he can't really avoid the ground but i don't think he has to worry about that in this fight because jing lang is gonna look to stand up with him and he's very one-dimensional um uses his feet and it's not really like an even a defensive way it's more like to explode into a position, right? And use it like a more of element of surprise of when he's coming in. But all the shots are coming from the same spot. And it's, um, he's got a big right hand and he's going to look to bounce in and out until he jumps in with it. And his head goes in the same spot and he's, he's readable, right? Nothing really too complicated about stand up. Now, Ferguson, like I said, in the Chandler fight, will still show that he, has some stand-up uh, timing still down. Has some power still there. Now, it definitely lost speed. Definitely doesn't have the coordination anymore. I told you, definitely uh, all this damage he took, especially in the Gaethje fight, he's not the same fighter. And I, I really worry about Tony Ferguson. I think that it's very dangerous that he's still fighting. I worry about his health. I worry about 
all the shots he's taking, especially because he was just flatlined by um, Chandler. That in a fight like this, moving up to 170 pounds, where he's not 170 pounds, it's the same scenario we just explained with Nate Diaz about coming from 155 to 170. I don't, you know, especially when I say when you do that late, late in your career, I just don't see, I just know that's the beginning of the end. I think he's going to have success in this fight, though. I really do. I think that he's going to show some things. He's going to land on Lynn. He's going to show still some timing, still show some creativity with the striking, still show um, some pop. I still don't think he wins the fight, though. I still think if three rounds, Lynn lands that right hand once. Tony cannot take that power anymore. He cannot take those shots. I expect Tony to win the first round. I expect him to win the first half of the second round. I think late in the second round, he will get caught. He will get hurt. And Jing Lang will win the fight by stoppage. Ferguson should not be fighting anymore. That's just, my, I mean, that's just my personal opinion, but I, I think that there's good evidence to show that he shouldn't be fighting anymore. He's been through a lot of wars, through a lot of damage, and he's taken a lot of damage. I don't think he should fight anymore. I think moving to 170 pounds isn't going to help the situation. In the fight before that, we have Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez. And uh, Daniel Rodriguez is an interesting, interesting fighter. Um, He has a big left hand. He has a very big straight left hand. And actually, his striking is pretty tight. It's pretty clean. It's not the most creative. It doesn't have the wide variety to it, but he knows what he's good at, and he's gonna keep trying to go for it, right? And he's got a one-two, but that left hand is what is really what his money maker is. Now he definitely loses his legs. He's definitely not someone that could build off of his offense. He's just he keeps it keeps to the basics, keeps to the fundamentals. It looks smooth when he's doing it, but he will lose his legs. Will overcommit. He will get tense up. Now Kevin Holland is a guy that has way more variety, way more free of what he's doing, but definitely loses his legs, definitely gets happy feet in there, definitely floats. Um, been pretty effective since moving to 170. He used to fight at middleweight, which he, he went on a good run. It's the exact same time that Chimaev uh, made his run. Kevin Holland was making his run too at middleweight. Then he ran into a few guys that were grapplers, and he just showed the no ability to stop someone from taking them down to the ground over and over and over again. Now, it could have been a size advantage thing to where he just didn't have the technique. And when you don't have the technique, especially the size advantage is going to come in a big way because the guys could just maul you down. Now he's getting to 170 pounds. He's working on the technique, but we haven't really seen it tested out. You're not going to see it tested out in this fight. Rodriguez is going in there to strike. That's good for Kevin Holland. The bad thing for Kevin Holland is he's hittable. And the thing for Kevin Holland is... He's going to stay in there because he really believes in his offense. He really believes in his power. But he's got to be very careful from that straight left hand. Now, the good thing is he can create offense. He can mix things together. He could look for a takedown himself. I think once he starts connecting things, being creative and, and, and not just stopping, right? Not just one shot. No, if he goes one, two, gets on the inside, gets a clinch or all those things, I think that's when he'll start uh, being able to expose the flaws in Daniel's game. But if he stays in front of them and they're looking to exchange shots, well, Daniel could, will be really effective in the fight. Not saying he'll win the fight, but he'll be really effective. I think early on he'll be effective in this fight. I think Kevin Holland will eventually um, start connecting his offense together and flowing into things. And when 
Daniel, maybe lands a straight left or lands a one-two. Kevin Holland's not going to stop. He'll respond right after it. And I think that Daniel doesn't have that kind of game. He's got to reset. And once he has to do that, I think he gets in trouble in this fight. I'm going to take Kevin Holland in this fight. I think I'll take him by stoppage. I'll say about the second round as well for this fight. Like I said, early on, I think that's going to be both are going to land good shots. But I think that once Kevin Holland uh, gets in the fight, gets in the rhythm of the fight, and starts connecting his offense together, I don't think that um, Rodriguez will be able to keep up with that. It's a very interesting fight. I think it's might be the best fight on the card, honestly. I am very curious to see Aldana fight. Uh, she was my pick to be champion in bantamweight by the end of the year. It hasn't really played out that way. She uh, lost to Holly Holm, which... <sighs> You know, it, well, she lost Holly Holm, which I think at that point in 2020 kind of slowed down her momentum. She got a win back in 2021. This is her first time fighting in 2022. So definitely hasn't went the way so far that I plan. I thought it would go for her, but I think she's very interesting with her stand-up. Uh, so I think she's there. She's definitely interesting to watch. It's, I think it's all-around kind of a weak card, if I'm being honest with you. And I think the main event, they're using the two names, especially Nate Diaz's name, to sell the event. But I, you know, I broke it down. I'm not, I think if you go into these fights with like more information, you become more interested in it, right? You become, how do I say it? Like, I don't know. You just, I, to me, when I have more build up on a fight or someone's telling me like, oh, it's going to look this way and like that, you kind of want to see it, right? You want to see if it plays out. You're more invested in it. So hopefully that's what this podcast did. It got you more invested in the fight, even though it's not the best matchup you'll be interested to see how it plays out and see if Nadia's can maybe survive the early onslaught and see if it gets interesting late and see if Chimrev slows down because what if he doesn't, right? What if he doesn't? He stays consistent like that for five rounds. Then it's going to be really brutal beating. So we've got to see how it plays out. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the As Raw Podcast.